Coming to you from the Lone Star State. You're now tuned in to the number one NBA and wrestling podcast on the planet. The Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. This is Money in the Bank Shot. Your source for all things in the ring and on the court. Now, uh, let's get ready to rumble with your host, Brian Zillum. Like Eric Bischoff, I'm back and better than ever. I'm glad to be with you. Thanks again for listening. Uh, usual format for the show where I'll be talking pro wrestling in the first half and NBA in the back end for this episode. I'm a little rusty, so I do apologize. It has been a minute. So I did reach out and acquire a tag team partner for this episode. Joining me for the first time, hopefully not for the last time after we chat today. He is a one third of the hottest rising podcast in space today. Like Roman Reigns, you should acknowledge his chess pieces. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for one, Mr. Philip Lindsay. Phil, what's up? I am good. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. So you're back in Chicago officially. How exhausted are you from WrestleMania? I'm pretty good now. It's just uh, those that first day back, Monday night and Tuesday, it was it was rough. It's rough. So how was... So it's been a minute since I've actually traveled. How was the airplane scene? Is that any better? Because uh, last summer, I was like, okay, I'm done traveling for a minute until this shit clears up. My flight was pretty smooth. Like, I didn't have any issues. I know some people had, like, delays and stuff because it was raining, but it wasn't too bad. Oh, cool. Southwest? American. Cool. I saw a lot of people were having issues with American, so I guess I got lucky. Man, that's wild. Yeah, I had maybe some... Brief thoughts of maybe trying to maybe come down. Maybe that's your set. Uh, I exchanged messages with you about it, but my wife actually had a trip pre-planned and I forgot. And it's okay. It's worked out. So my buddy hit me up and he was just like, bro, if we're not going to Mania, we're going to double nothing. And I was like, all right, sounds good. Let's book it. And surprisingly, tickets and the flights are still pretty cheap. So if you plan on going, if you haven't already booked your stuff, go. Because, like, we were able to score some tickets. They're obviously not, like, front row or anything, but we were able to score some tickets for like, maybe, like, 100 each, which, to me, c- considering they thought it was going to sell off pretty quick, hey, I'm cool with that, man. Yeah. As of now, the plan is to go to Double or Nothing. Um, nice. Still ironing out the details, but that's the plan. Cool. Yeah, now, I would say, for me, depending on where you're going is key. So I'm actually flying in that Sunday. So that way I'm getting a little cheaper flight and then probably go home that like Tuesday. So I'm not getting an arm and a leg charge for that Memorial Day pricing. But it's cool because I completely not understanding time and space. So I completely forgot the card's actually going to start like at five o'clock on the West Coast. So it's just like, whoa, I'm going to have still time to go out and act the full afterwards. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it has been good to get back out and go to live shows. I will say that it was a minute where it was just depressing watching wrestling on tv where it's just nobody out there it just felt cold and sterile it's like man I, I need some crowd noise man i need some participation man and that's like surreal phil just a quick story before we dive into everything else so i attend when aw first came to austin it was february i guess that would have been on 2020 that was legitimately the last kind of like event that me and the wife went to and then of course like the world ended like that next month and it was surreal to go back 
to AEW last year in July when stuff reopened because it felt gradually stuff was trying to get back to normal. And then going to the show a couple of weeks ago, I was like, okay, it's, I think it's finally okay. It just all circles together, but it was, it was pretty surreal. You had, you and Reg and Will and a lot of other people had like, it seemed like a kick-ass time the entire WrestleMania weekend. I know it might be hard to call out a couple things, but do you have any favorite interactions moment of the weekend that you'd like to highlight personally? This was the first time the three of us have ever been able to make a trip together. So just that in itself was a highlight. Just Thursday night at Wale Mania, being able to hang with my guys and just get to touch down and really see how many people listen to our podcast. I think you get an idea of it online, but it's just so different being in crowds of people and people recognize you for getting in front of uh, your computer and talking wrestling every weekend. Yeah, for sure. And if you are listening and don't really know or haven't even heard of Phil's podcast, Grapsity, they go live. It's every Saturday. It's 11 a.m. Central. It's 9 Pacific, right? Yeah, I think it's 9 Pacific. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Reg, Will, and uh, Phil, they do a fantastic job. Obviously, if you don't uh, have time to listen to it on the live stream, definitely download it wherever you get your podcast from. I've really enjoyed everything that these guys have done. They hustle, they bust their ass. It's been a pleasure listening to them and grow within their format since they've been going. I did want to actually talk to you a little bit about, so I, I think we everybody can sit, the overall take for WrestleMania as a whole is, Night one, pretty good. Pretty good. You had Bianca winning, like, should have happened. The Austin segment was fantastic. Uh, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes debut, feeling like a big deal. Obviously, the New Day shoved down the side was not cool. But other than that, it seems like everybody else had a good time for night one. Now, night two, ah, man, I felt like with, with night two, it was d- divided. It's a, the, a fair thing to say because... Everybody enjoyed the opening tag match was fine, but then everything else was just there. And the McAfee stuff, man, because I felt like I was getting yelled at. You were getting yelled at for this. The presentation of McAfee was actually fantastic. The Seven Nation Army stuff, everybody comment and see. Fantastic. stuff. McAfee's a freaking athlete. Match was, if you haven't seen him in Adam Cole, it was pretty much by the books as far as what you were going to get. But Fantastic stuff from him. He like had a dream. This is what he wanted to do. He went out there, but then, but then it's like, no, Vince is like, no, you can't have nice things. You cannot have a new superstar, Phil. You can have good, a new baby face root for it. You're for I assume this was going to be some interaction where, okay, he's going to try to get it, try to pull his pants down and have McAfee join the kiss his ass club and then (laughs) down, stands him with his pants down. That would have been funny. Would have been funny. Vince decides to have a 15 minute segment. Where in that segment he beats Pat McAfee, and uh, he takes the most one of the worst sliders in wrestling history. I don't know who this was for Phil. That's why I posted the the famous tweet thread from Alvarez, Melter, SRS, and Ryan Satin because I did not know who the hell this was for. And this went way it went. Not only did it go too longer, it went longer than the main event of the WrestleMania, which is supposed to be the biggest main event in WrestleMania history. A lot of people liked it. And I knew that people liked it because I didn't hashtag this thing. I just was like, I, you saw the tweet, I think, where I was just like, guys, that wasn't. And it was just kind of, I just, that was it. <laughs> yeah. And so I had some people that were hitting me with the, oh, relax, it's fun, or 
get a sense of humor, loosen up and all this other stuff. And I was like, hey, if people like it, great. I thought it was bad. I thought that yeah. it went on way too long. I thought that it was purely there to stroke uh, Venta's ego, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I think them getting the two pops out of Austin for this. I, I get that people in the crowd enjoyed it. And it was a way to get Austin on both cards. Maybe if you didn't go to night one and you went to night two, you got to see Austin. That's good. But I feel like you could have gotten there without doing an entire McMahon match after. Yes. And I feel like the match wasn't good enough to justify doing all of that. And then because of the payoff of it, the, the stunner was bad. Like the whole thing, I felt like it just went on for too long. And I feel like this is prime example. Of some of the things I don't enjoy about WrestleMania season where the company cares more about trying to, how do I put this? They care more about trying to pander to casual fans that were like, hey, look at that attitude era. That was my favorite era of wrestling. So here's some more things for me to pop for. <laughs> and for me, I'm just over that. I feel like A, the attitude era is kind of, and then B, I just feel like I was there for that. It, it's just time to move on. I don't mind seeing some things again, but it's just time. It's time to move on from the Attitude Era. And I felt like it was very telling that the Cody stuff from the night before was more interesting, in my opinion, than any of that stuff. It was more interesting than any of the stuff that was like, hey, here's a nostalgia pop. And I don't know if you remember, because I said this in the Bleacher Report article yesterday, but Cody did that great promo for its feud with Dustin. And he was saying, I despise the idea of the Attitude Era. I want to kill the Attitude Era. But I thought it was very telling that he actually brought in 2.8 million views on a YouTube clip of his entrance. And he eclipsed any of the Austin stuff. And not to say the Austin stuff was bad too, but I did think it was telling that I feel like there's a sect of wrestling fans that are ready for something new. Yeah, and that's that, that entire segment as a whole kind of, that pretty much shows you what, Vince, I guess, in WWE is now. You give us something cool. The Seven Nation Army thing, they probably had to pay a lot of money for that. Like a ton of money. And you just like, ah, no, no. Just, you actually gave us something organic and cool. And you were just like, no, we're going to just vomit on it. So appreciate that. And shout out to poor Pat McAfee taking those freaking hilarious Kermit the Frog and like awful stuff. I feel so bad for being he kind of made it up for his beer drinking like gifts that went in for that, but awful stuff. And then the half freaking the Vince stroke his ego and go longer than Roman and Brock together. Just really dumb. Didn't didn't care for it. I kind of that was the flattest finish, like a very bye to bye match that they put together. You get the barricade spot, like they need to go I want to challenge him to go like uh, 90 days without a barricade spot or a ladder match. I don't think they can do it. Like I'm over <laughs> basically them doing ladder matches and barricade spot. It's just, it's not cool. If you go maybe six months without doing it, I might be like, oh, you're doing it on Raw and SmackDown pretty much every other week. It's just there. It's just, it's a clothesline spot to me at this point. Stop doing it. But yeah, let's, uh, I know I kind of rambled off there a little bit. Let's go back a little bit and talk about the, uh, Cody Burr stuff. I'm with you. I felt like that was pretty much the most interesting kind of part about both nights. Obviously, it, Bianca winning, I felt, okay, good. Don't mess this up again. Please, for the love of God, don't mess this up. But like the way they presented him, like Cody Rhodes, AEW, music, the graphics of his font for his name looks really goofy. Looks like something out of clip art, but 
if that's what he wants, sure. The logos for his t-shirts are very, they're very WWE. I will say that on how they were designed really? and presented. I feel like the shirts look very much like his PW t-shirts. Really? Okay. I, I might, I see. Like it's, especially I, the one. I have to go back and look at them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they look a lot like the shirt he was doing with pro wrestling tees. Okay. I'll especially the one that he's been wearing with Pharaoh on it and it had all of the American Nightmare stuff on it. I didn't really care for those shirts when he was doing them there. So they yeah. kind of look the same. But yeah, just, you presented him like a star. He beat Seth Rollins and. And then he did his promo Monday night, which I did not catch. I, I believe you actually mentioned this in your recap, where he pretty much, he Cody's a reader, and he likes to quote uh, Kung Fu Panda. Fan of Kung Fu Panda, by the way. Love Kung Fu Panda. But so where where did this idea that he's quoting Kung Fu Panda come from? Where Who discovered this? Because that's not what he was quoting. Uh, Kung Fu Panda is actually quoting a pretty famous French poet and fable. And people are like, no. This is a total Kung Fu Panda quote. No, that quote existed before Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Just, I saw that going on and I signed by side of and you simply decided by side them together. But yeah, I knew it came from Kung Fu Jack Black did not make that note. And that just tickled me that Cody would actually like because I could see Cody doing that. Like a part of me thinks like it would just be funny if he did. But yeah. Very by the by, I think Cody Bromwell. I was seeing people, Phil, saying this was promo of the year. I mean, okay. All thing with this Cody stuff. I think you boys mentioned it on uh, Sunday during your recap. The Cody capping has to stop, please, for the love. Like, it's the fan base. It's Cody himself. It's these, oh my God. Uh, They were doing spaces. It was like Wade Barrett and uh, who else was in these spaces. I think the Ryan guy from the bump and then Rosenberg, the, the area friend guy. Like, oh my God, I'll just stop with this amount of Cody Cabin. He's not the best wrestler in the world. That was not the best promo of the year. If you think that's really the best promo of the year in wrestling, I feel kind of bad for you because you're missing out on a lot of good stuff and other promotions, not just he. I don't understand. Are you just so happy he, he left and now he's all that he's going to win a title? But. The reason he couldn't win a title, a major title, or I'm sorry, an AEW, because he made the stipulation himself and did not want to turn heel. So I don't know why you feel bad for it. Yeah, I look, I knew when he came over that the cap was going to start. I knew people were going to, there was going to be two camps. I knew there were going to be AEW fans that all of a sudden hated him and acted like they didn't like anything he did years prior. And I knew there were going to be WWE fans that acted like they all of a sudden loved him and loved everything he did. I just knew what was going to happen. Yeah, that has been funny to laugh at from afar, but I think that his debut was really good. I actually think that the way that they treated him at WrestleMania looked, it, it came off really well. I thought the match was good. Um, the promo the next day is interesting because I think it's a good promo. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the best promo of the year, but what I enjoy about the promo is that I feel like it, it managed to capture what we enjoyed about Cody in that first year about of AEW where he was a, you know, impassioned baby face. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we haven't seen him in a way where he's relatable in a long time. Now, will he be relatable to everybody? I don't know, because the way he left AEW is going to be distracting for some people. And just certain things that he's saying, people are going to poke holes in it. And I, I think it'll be easy for some people to feel like, OK, this isn't genuine. But I do think in a sense that his I, his motivation for his character of wanting to be champion again 
and wanting to do it because it was something his dad never managed to do with WWE. I do think that's interesting and I do think that's compelling storytelling. I feel like for a while, WWE has pushed the universal title for it and the WWE title has felt like it was on a back burner, like it feels like it's secondary to the universal title. And that's largely because Roman carries it. It, it seems like whatever title Roman has, that's the more important title. And so right. I do that Cody came straight in and said, no, I want to be WWE champion because it adds more importance and more prestige to that title, even though you've got one man carrying both titles, which don't get me into why I hate that. <laughs> I, 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 again, I do like that he came in and he placed immediate importance on the WWE title and what that meant to him. And he gave you reasons why it meant that him because i don't feel like we've gotten that in a lot of title feuds with wwe no i actually agree with everything that you said phil i do worry about so if he tries to deliver that type of promo every week i wonder how that's going to have an effect on this wwe audience because they're gonna go crazy for for the first couple weeks but if he tries to get a little bit to say cute but if he tries to go if it's too complicated where because he said, I've gone off the rails sometimes on the promos. Like if he tries to deliver an Anthony Agogo type promo one day, it, how is that going to be received? Like within their type of audience, they may just yay boo. They don't usually sit there <laughs> quiet. They'll, they may say something, but I do wonder if organically, if the audience are just Roman Wade is cooler than this guy. I don't want this guy to win the title. So I just wonder how that's going to affect him because I do have a feeling because everybody may not be into Roman Reigns and as as far as what he more on WWE not building a baby face to yeah. fight him so I was like I will say just like people might reject him a little bit because he's just like this guy that's had 500 days and only had maybe one good title feud the entire time he's had the title now Seth, Seth Manich was good finished the crap Cesaro match was good but I think it's and the Brian matches were good. The fast lane match he had with Brian was really good, and then the title versus uh career match at SmackDown was also really good. Yeah, and I, some of his initial stuff with Usos was really good as well. It depends on how they frame the feud because man, Cody coming in and and doing the the fake cry thing, <laughs> I don't. It, 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 it might not be some people's cup of tea, but it depends on how these promos are when they're going back and forth. Once they start exchanging promos, I feel like that's going to be the tell of where this where this program is going to go. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. But at this moment, I just don't feel like he needs both titles. I feel like if the program is just to get one of those titles off of him and you're going to put the WWE title on Cody, I think that's fine. And I'm assuming that's where he's going. I'm assuming that even if he beats Roman, Roman's going to come out as still universal champion, which that raises the question, why do a winner-take-all match in the first place. But again, yep. I don't want to get into why I hate it, and it's a stupid idea. Yeah, I agree. So that next question I had for you, Phil, you guys were there live for the Ring of Honor press scrum that Tony Khan held. Very cool, by the way. I, I feel like that's a very cool thing. I'm glad Tony's started, you know, done that pretty much since day one. Even though if you might not be able to be there live, they're streaming it live on their own YouTube channel. And then obviously they'll have their own media calls i wanted to ask you to like maybe i guess try to get some more people to involve and engage it as far as what you're doing would you want to see wwe do something like that like after a big pay-per-view show or something i would i think that they should i i know that they do press junkets around their pay-per-view sometimes 
but they don't do anything directly afterwards. But what I like about the media scrums is it adds like this real sports feel to these things. So right after the work, yeah. you can ask questions about the matches. You can ask people. I don't know. It, it's just they've been doing them since day one. And I don't think there's much things in wrestling that beats like having a new champion come in with the title, sit next to them and having to answer, answer questions. I think it's great. And I, I think it's something we see in the fight world. There's, it, it's something we see, of course, in other professional sports. And then, yeah, I definitely think that more wrestling companies should do it. The thing I know there was, I know Cody had like a fresh scrum, I think the next day, that Sunday after day one. I just don't like any type of interviews slash content that WWE may put out because it's going to be worked. I'm not a fan of the bump. Don't want to see the bump. Now, I know um, the Ringer, they have their podcasts, and obviously with their affiliation, they're going to get WWE folk every now and again. But you can't tell me that they'll set their interviews or anything better than what Danielson will give you or Kenny Omega. Like, yeah. uh, you guys had a chance to see CM Funk be emotional, like, during press conference. That's so awesome. Like, they're... I don't think Vince is going to allow like people to be real, which kind of sucks because that would make people more endearing because you have people like Big E and the New Day have to fight and scratch and claw to get everything they have to barely be on television for two minutes. Like show it's okay to be real and to be emotional. I just don't think, I think they're, they would view it as from like a stockholder perspective and it's, oh no. Just in case if I guess they felt like some, something, somebody said something that may not like view like morally, like with their ethics or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like they have their moments where they do things that are interesting. Like that, that first year or so of Talking Smack, I enjoyed Talking Smack a lot. I used to watch it every week, but I, I it, for some reason, it's just they have to overproduce everything. I don't know why. It just, it, uh, but I hate it, Phil. It's just like they have to overproduce everything and they have to get their hands in everything. So things don't feel organic. But Talking Smack was one of the few things they were doing where it just felt organic. People would come on and they would just say whatever. Um, that's how we got that great Miz and back and forth. We got, I, I remember one of the things I loved was uh, New Day was off TV for a long time because I can't remember which one of them were injured, but they were all off TV. And so the first time we saw them was on Talking Smack and they came in. And this is when Shane was on there and they were singing a song from Rocky. I thought it was hilarious, but you just wouldn't get some stuff like that on TV. But so, yeah, I agree with you. I do wish that they would do more things that let media folks come in and ask different questions than, you know, what people that work for WWE would ask. Yeah, I just it would have been so cool to get like a response from like Kevin Owens or like Stone Cold or Bianca or like Becky just to see what they would have to say after something going through something like so awesome, emotional, and everything like that. One last question for you, for you before we start talking. Uh, so the Grab City podcast, I think y'all are around your seventh or eighth month. As far as like being live, do you have any, I know it's still so young as far as you guys like having the podcast together, but do you have any like favorite moments so far? Or do you, are you still been on how like much you guys have grown in such a short amount of time? Do you mean just in the entire process of starting a yeah. podcast or just on screen? Uh, just like the entire process. I don't know. There's a lot of moments, man. I think that that first week before we even put out a podcast where we did the rollout and we were rolling them out, rolling out who the host would be every day. 
I just thought that was a fun time because people just didn't know. And just seeing how excited people were for us before we put anything out was just a cool feeling. It just, it felt rewarding in, in terms of what each of us had done individually. And it just felt that podcast could have been anything, right? But just the fact that the first day when it was announced that I would be hosting, that people were so excited for it because they were a fan of my other work or just seeing what people be excited for Reg because they were a fan of his list and his PWI work and then being excited for Will because he's a stalwart. He's the Bondfather. And podcasting. So yeah, it just was that whole rollout. I thought that was really fun. And of course, getting to do the Jade interview and just seeing how well the Jade interview was received. Man, it's been a, it's been a crazy few months. Man, recording, recording a podcast this weekend and being in the same room with Reg because we've never recorded anything <laughs> in the same place. Yeah, it's just been a lot, man. Hanging out over the weekend and going to Wale Mania and just seeing that, A, that there are fans out there that listen to our podcast, but that there are wrestlers that listen to our podcast. It's, what? <laughs> you got the free, you got the captain jumping on with you on random cameos every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, the Man, and that that was just an experience in itself, uh, recording on New Year's Day. We weren't supposed to report, record that podcast. We actually were going to take that Saturday off. And so the Tony Khan stuff happened, and we recorded that. And I think our episode was very well received because we handled the subject in a very intelligent way, in an objective way. We weren't trying to defend anybody. We weren't trying to go out of our way and bash anybody either. But right. I thought that episode was received really well. It's still our most watched episode. Oh, yeah. And just having Cap come through because I'm cool with Cap off mic and having Baron come on and talk. It was just great. I, I thought that was one of, that's definitely one of my favorite episodes we've recorded. I don't remember if it's the second episode or the first episode that produced the Bean Joke. That's also one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> it's just, no, it's been a lot of fun recording this. And I say all the time, I wouldn't have done this without those two guys. If it was anybody else, I could have taken or leave in it. Like I've done podcasts with other people, but doing a podcast weekly, it's just so fun doing it with my friends. And it just, it's just so many things that we've gotten and has happened together that I feel like I'm happy for those guys. It's not just I'm recording with somebody that I know, like these are my friends, like watching them get the who we are uh, joint and get to do uh, the songs on the album and then perform it during uh, Revolution Weekend. Yeah, it's just been a blast. It's been a blast doing this together. Yeah, and one other question. You had obviously mentioned uh, the episode that y'all dumped on and discussed like the Tony Khan, Big Swole, I guess you could say situation. So now that you guys have that platform and each of you have like a voice, essentially, do you guys feel like if something happens like that, do you guys feel like an obligation and or a responsibility to speak up on because hey, I'm this random white guy, so I feel like I, I can't really say anything. And I would like to say personally, I'll be honest with you, like before like y'all came out, I wasn't really familiar with all these different content creators that had their own podcasts and had so many different like websites that they write it for. And that was like, I don't think that like, me not searching for it, it just wasn't very visible for me. So I, I was really familiar with your work. So would like to appreciate like you, what you guys do because those type of conversations are not like easy to have and it's not easy to be like in the middle and actually have a good conversation where you're not just like with your pitchforks it's like super difficult and i know that wasn't like an easy day for you but i certainly appreciate like everything you do because i'm a stepfather of three black children so i need to be aware and be an open mind be an open-minded person just about everything just because like although i can imagine like what 
like somebody might be going through, I really need to like just shut up and listen and like, understand what somebody be, could be going through, you know? Yeah. There are definitely things where um, sometimes something happens and people are tweeting like, oh, the graffiti guys got to talk about this or I hope you guys are going to be discussing this on your podcast. I wouldn't say that we feel obligated to cover things, just at least from my point of view. I want to cover things when I feel like we have a constructive way of covering it and that if we have a, a way of talking about it in an interesting way, I don't want to ever just cover anything for the sake of covering it. it I just don't feel like that makes for good content. And that's why our our podcast is formatted the way it is. From day one, we have all said we're not doing a recap podcast. If we have to talk about every show every week, if we have to talk about every episode of a show that I might not enjoy or a show that Will <laughs> might not enjoy or a show that Reg might not enjoy, I feel like that's going to be a miserable listening experience. You can go anywhere and listen to anyone talk about just Raw and SmackDown or just AEW or whatever else. I want to, I feel like we should be talking about things when there is something that we want to talk about. And as far as just visibility, I do think that's a big part of the reason why we wanted to do this. There are a ton of black podcasts out there. There are a ton of great podcasters that are doing great things. But I do feel like there is a there was a void at big wrestling sites where you don't see something like the three of us at Wrestling Observer. You didn't see that at Fightful before we got there. You didn't see it at Wrestling Inc. You didn't see it anywhere. And I do feel like um, a big part of the reason why people have latched on to what we've done is because we brought our podcast to a big outlet and we did it in a big way. And that's not to say that I feel like our podcast is better than anybody else's or that people should listen to our podcast and nobody else's. But I do feel like that's a part of the reason why people have latched on to us. And I say all the time, we're not the Black Wrestling Podcast. There are so many great Black podcasts out there, man. There are so many people doing cool things. Um, and I wish that there was more exposure for those people. So every time I can get a chance, I always try to promote those guys or I try to have people from other podcasts on our site, on our podcasts. Yeah, sh- sh- shout out to uh, up and coming Jay Shell and Public Enemy. Just folks I've started right re- like gradually discovering Doc. Shout out to Doc. Doc is great. But yeah, couldn't have said a better feel. All right. Let's talk uh you ready to talk some hoops. Like how excited have you been for like the NBA season? Obviously and the Bulls are man, so I feel so bad for the like the Bulls is in, in general feel because they've had been down. They're just like, Oh, we're gonna have an injury, but then we're gonna like really be good and then injury, injury, somebody will come back, injury again, and now the news with uh, Alonzo being shut down the rest of the week, or not week, I'm sorry, like year, just like absolutely sucks because I think they have been so fun to watch. And I would like to personally put out my own chess piece uh, because during the offseason, people were telling me actively DeMar DeRozan was washed. No, he was not washed. And I would actively pitch to Mark Stein actively in his weekly green rooms that I wanted him to sign the Dallas Mavericks to sign DeMar DeRozan. And uh, he was just like, I don't know. He just doesn't shoot threes. He's gay. They'd have to pitch a lot of money. I'm just like, but he's the guy. That's the type of guy that you need to win in the playoffs. He can get to the basket and create chaos for everybody else. And he's still a good passer. And what has happened? He He's obviously probably not going to be a top four in MVP consideration, but I, he's definitely been a top 10 player. Yeah, I feel very vindicated about DeRozan because before the season started, I was having arguments with people where I was like, if we're signing somebody, it should be DeRozan. And I was pushing pretty heavy for Lonzo as well. But I was like, no, if we've got to get DeRozan. And there were several people that were like, DeRozan's not that good. 
He is the reason why Toronto never won, blah, 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 which I think is a crazy take. But I, I watched him in San Antonio and I feel like he grew a lot as a player in San Antonio. I feel like he his shot selection got better. I feel like his playmaking got better. I feel like he's an underrated defender. And so I was like, if we can get him, we can get him. And I, I think he has showed up fantastically for the Bulls. I think he was absolutely the best signing we made over the offseason. And then like he was first and then you could probably put 2A and 2B with freaking Caruso and Lonzo Ball because killing it, absolutely killing it. And Patrick Williams finally came back. That's good. I just, their front office very uh, savvy as far as what they were able to do. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Vooch trade. I was like, man, I don't know about this. This seems like a lot. But then when, er- when everybody was, I just felt like it was a lot. I've always liked Vooch as a player. Like I thought, like I liked him in or liked him in Philadelphia. I liked him in college. I was like, okay. And obviously him and Christoph Porzingis have the same agent. So I thought maybe there was a chance he could one day to come to Dallas. But no, I it's not like at the time I was like, man, that seems like a lot to get. They obviously took the time to, they wanted to do something drastic, but they also wanted to invite me for a minute. Appreciate because everybody wants to just blow everything up, but you need to just, you can do one big thing, but they, they let it chill for a little bit and decide, okay, are these players actually going to fit together? And then you decide, okay, let's sign this player, let's trade this player, let's get this young guy. And Obviously, it sucks that they're on the wrong end of the momentum going into the playoffs right now. Just lost Milwaukee last night, so that kind of sucks. But I still, if I'm like a physical, like whoever ends up like the four or five, I don't want to play Chicago. I don't want to play Chicago in the first round. Yeah, they're in six right now. I'm assuming they're going to stay at six. I don't think they're going to move up, Um, which doesn't bode well for them because if you got to play the third seed, you're you're looking at Milwaukee. I don't think they're beating Milwaukee in the first round. And it kind of sucks that's where their season could end because I think they've played so much better than a first-round exit. I don't think that's indicative of how good this team has been all year. But, yeah, it just injuries really hurt us. I think if they hadn't have had to deal with so many injuries early, I think they could have easily landed that fourth or fifth spot and they could have been looking at a, a push to the second round. Just unfortunate, but we're going to see what happens next year, which next year is it's. I don't know. It's up in the air. I think they could easily be just as good, but it all depends on what we're going to do with Zach because it sounds like Zach mm-hmm. is going to be pushing for a contract. And I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I could easily see him leaving. Yeah. See, somebody's going to end up giving him a bag. I don't know who. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's like a destination. I, I, I had to go back and see who actually has money available. I think like Charlotte, I think like New York. Like OKC, Miami, I think the, like those are the teams out there. So it just depends on what they could do. Obviously, I think at the end of the day, Chicago could offer him the most money. It's just, do they want to commit? Do they feel like he's been consistent enough to do that? Do they feel like, hey, this is why we signed Caruso and Ball, like to leverage other things they, they could do? I don't know. We'll see. The only potential salty thing that come from a Milwaukee-Chicago matchup, Phil, you could have the uh, rematch of Caruso, Grayson Allen, because, you know, Caruso's got to get, <laughs> you got to get him back, man. He, he broke the man's head for, and he was out for two months. Yeah, I feel like Portis is going to play it for their series, too, because Portis was here, and Portis got to get <laughs> up to the sunset and get him a championship after he left here. Yeah, and then, look, that could end up being a decent series, but 
I just don't think they have enough right now to beat Milwaukee. Yeah, because especially playoff, everybody right now, I think if their like spots are sealed and signed and delivered, they're like in cruise control right now. Like I didn't get too high when the Mavericks beat Milwaukee on Sunday. I'm just like, it's a nice win, but it's not really going to change the world or how they're going to play in the playoff series versus whoever. So I wouldn't get really too high or lows like in the next two weeks because it's a time. Now, this play, the play-in tournament, ooh, man, that is going to be fun on both sides. I cannot wait. And I'm really happy the Lakers are eliminated from playoff contention. I just, what a beautiful disaster that's been, Phil. Listen, as a longtime Brian hater, <laughs> I can't say that just last night, knowing that the Bulls clinched and that they were eliminated the same night, it's a pretty good feeling. I, I, yeah, I watching the Lakers implode this year has been a tremendous feeling. I know that I, I follow a lot of people that are Lakers fans. I have friends that are Lakers fans. Sorry, guys. I loved it. I, <laughs> I loved every second of it. I just enjoy watching them lose, man. I just it's something about the way people hype this guy up every year and just watching him lose and disastrous fashion has been incredibly fun to watch <laughs> yeah and all the amounts of people phil like I, I i don't know how many people you read or people voiced all oh, the westbrook thing work work the same just got really old all the star players actively wanted to come back for you for the cheap you didn't resign him and he went your cock and their defense is just it's and then davis being out i will say you know Ultimately, at the end of the day, he got their one. Now, the expectation over there is a little, it's not reasonable. They got their one bubble. They should be happy about that. I don't know if I would be planting my flag for a bubble NBA trophy, but I got their one. Ultimately, I don't think I would have traded. Like, I was a, I'm still a big fan of Brandon Egra. I think he's really good. Now, I know ultimately him and LeBron were not going to work together because they both need the ball. And I was like, Ooh, that, no, that's not going to work. I, I see if Davis is actually remotely healthy, it's fine. And they got their one, but it's a beautiful disaster. And will they, they're about to can the coach and I don't know what they do. It's wild because I think, okay, yeah, you could trade. You want to trade Westbrook for John Wall. Cool. All right. Mm. And then what would you do? Anthony Davis. Oh, okay. For what? Cause right now you're going to get about all, I don't think you're going to get, 75 cents on the dollar, but you might get 50 because kids are going to be like, whoa, like you can't say healthy, man. We're not going to give you a whole lot. So the the funny thing in all of this is that I've been saying since Miami that LeBron goes to teams and he makes this toxic ecosystem there and then <laughs> he, he leaves the organization there to fix it. He's done this three times. He went to Miami. I feel like Miami was worse when he left and people always know it's worse because they lost the best player in the world. no. He left them with a bunch of bad contracts and he left them with a situation where they couldn't get rid of them. It's the same thing with Cleveland. You left them with that terrible Tristan Thompson contract that they couldn't get rid of. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> you, you were stuck with, you, you were stuck with Kevin Love. You lost Kyrie. Yeah. And I, Cleveland's now getting back to a better spot, but look at the Lakers. Before he got there, the Lakers were up and coming. You said Ingram, they had Randall, they had Arkson, they had Ball, they had a Kuzma, that Kuzma. They had at least Larry Nash Jr. They had at least seven good players that they could build around. And all these guys have gone somewhere else and played better. Clarkson was just six men of the year. Randall's just most improved. You could have made a conversation that he was the best player on the Knicks last year. Ingram as well. Ingram was playing fantastic. And you moved all these guys to bring him in 
and bringing other guys he wanted, even on that championship team. You had uh, Caldwell Pope, you had Kuzma, you had all these guys that were playing good ball, and he made this decision to get rid of these guys to bring in guys that he wanted, and the count that's, that's working out. At some point, you got to acknowledge that in order to get the one or two championships that this guy is going to hang his hat on selfishly, you have to tank your organization for the next few years. And nobody wants to admit, and that could be just, I just don't like the guy as a player, but I think there's some truth to that. <laughs> no, I, as a avid Mavericks fan, Phil, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you there. I'm never going to forget Coffin Gate, where he had the goal and tenacity to make fun of my boy, <laughs> and he was dying. He was literally dying. And Jason Terry was like, oh, no, nah, man, I, we got you. They decided to put the show Derek on their back, and they were just like, no, nah, homie, we got you, big fella. So I, you got LeBron James getting schooled by barely 6'1", Jason Terry, just like out breaking his ankles, just lovely, terrific stuff. And by the way, they could have absolutely killed and just buried the batters probably in four, but you also blew a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. And Dirk was like, no, we got, no, we got, the funniest thing is, because if you go back after they were up at 16 or 18 in the fourth and uh, Jason Terry and I think it was like Sean Mary, they were just like, bro, can't go out like this. They were like, no, no, Jason Terry had uh, gone, gone a long way of getting the championship tattooed on his arm. It was winter go home. You could not go home. Without that title, that was definitely Jason Terry doing a Denzel GIF. I'm leaving here with something. I'm <laughs> leaving here without that ring. And so, man, I, I do feel like that was one of my favorite championship wins because I'm not a Dallas fan, but I kept telling people that year watching them in the playoffs because I don't, that was that year that they just completely annihilated the Lakers. And, and no, no, Cron Butler, one of their best scoring options. Like he was yeah. Alfred, yeah, Cron Butler. Yeah, but they, I remember they completely annihilated the Lakers that year. And when after that series, I was like, they're going to win. They're going to win it all. And I had a guy that I worked with at the time where he was like, no. And he actually bet me on the first game because he was saying they were going to sweep the, he, they were going to sweep Dallas. And I said, oh no, they're winning this series. Not only are they going to win this series, they're definitely not getting swept. And I actually won money on that first game, but he after that he was like they're not gonna win a series i said i don't think you've been watching dallas all year dallas is not gonna lose this series man they're just too deep man we had man deshaun that year was just <laughs> how, does my dirt how does my dirt taste just awesome that, 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 like, just, lovely that was a great one in terms of lebron losses because there have been lebron losses that i've enjoyed that was a good one because that was their first year and that was that year that the Bulls were good. They were, that was Rose's MVP. And I hated the way we lost to him. I just hated it. I hated him doing things like coming on our court and flopping and winking in the camera. And so watching him lose in the finals, I enjoyed every second of it. The, the only loss in the finals I enjoyed more was that second loss to the Spurs when the Spurs just mopped the floor with him. I loved it. <sighs> yeah, that's when Kawhi was just like, nah. We, we got it. Cause didn't they sweep them? Am I crazy? No, it was a five game series. I thought. Okay. Five or six. Gen- gentleman sweep. Let's say just, I, I think it was yeah. five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause the only time he's been swept is he got swept by the Spurs when he was in Cleveland mm-hmm. and then he got swept by the Warriors. That, uh, Wasn't that also the same series? LeBron was trying to get in a wheelchair cause he thought he was like overheated cause the AC cramp. went out for a minute. I was like, cramps gate. Yeah. It's very Paul Piercy. 
But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, but I'm still gonna hold the Mavs number one because they that was the first year, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. And the, the fact that they were talking, Wade's always talked mess about Dirk, and I'll never forgive him for that. But like, I'm always gonna be salty because that the temerity of Wade, Phil, like he he wants to go out the same year as Dirk. So I, I'm just like, I gotta see this guy again when Dirk is trying to retire. Just and he's trying to do this big thing, like a goodbye tribute video and blah, blah, blah. And it's now I will say, Wade, I think as I'm trying to get him outside of basketball, I think I'll get more outside of the NBA as like a person, but like as yeah. a player, I just hate, oh my God, just hate his guts. Oh, I could not stand Wade when during those Miami years with LeBron, I could not stand him. And that when they broke up that team finally and he was there for that last run and i don't know if you remember he came to the bulls that year and i had a lot of people calling me a hater because i was like i don't want him here and people were like oh they're gonna be better with him i was like no they're not he's done and so i'll never forget that first year and again i this was after rose had left i was a huge Derek fan i mean i don't know you're not a bulls fan but what if just something special about Derek used to come out and and they get on commentary and go, and from Chicago, Derrick Rose. And he'd come out and it just was, it was a special time as a fan of the Bulls, as someone that lives in Chicago. And so I'll never forget Wade coming here that first year and they tried to do the and Chicago for him. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you try to do this for this guy that beat us in the in Ether Conference Finals, this guy that wanted nothing to do with us until he could come here for a check. No, you say from South Beach for that guy. I don't care if he's from Chicago. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Just, oh, man. Yeah. It, I, at the time, I used the Harry Potter reference because it was like coming in and seeing Snape standing in a Dumbledore spot. Like, how dare you? How dare you stand where he stood? How dare you? Get out of here. Man, not not only that, Phil, in the 05, 06 finals, he, he still thinks he, he deserved every one of those foul calls. He got in that series for Dallas. And I, I didn't hate Wade then. I thought that he had a great year that year. He did get a lot of bad calls in that series. So many foul calls. I, I see him in my dreams, Phil. So many. So many. <laughs> I will say at the end of the day, Dallas dead the rights and they didn't close the deal, man. And so sad that we didn't get a Jerry Stackhouse to read. Ethan Horn was on that squad too. Could have got him. Yeah. Josh Howard, Marquis Dake. Devin Harris could have got them. It just didn't happen, man. Did not happen. Well, I'll be honest. I'll do well. My uh, my regret from afar as not a fan of Dallas, but just a, a fan of, of Dirk. I just always hated that Dirk and Nash didn't win a title together. Because I just felt like they were just such a good duo, and they were just one of those got one of those teams. Like those years where it was them and Van Exel. Like those were some great teams, man. Bill, in my veins, see because when my sports eyes started to be open open and i was self-aware like cowboys were bad like very bad in the 90s so i was like and obviously the Mavericks were terrible too so i was like can i have this basketball team nobody really cares about and then of course they went through their transition period with kit and then eventually they got finley michael finley chicago native was my guy man finley was the man man. like finley got me do some hard hard times marriage were really bad but i do i always remember the Mavericks did beat Michael Jordan that last year they won the title on the Bulls. It was like one of their few losses. I was like, ah, it's pretty cool. You still find, you always remember Jerry's that. But yeah, there were some 
dark times. But once they actually started pairing everybody together, Phil, it was so fun. Like Nick Van Exel, like, I still feel like he's one of my favorite players. He's definitely on my like top five, top six list just because he could, he was a microwave. He could light it up. And I was so intrigued about the way he would shoot a free throw. It was so fascinating. I was like, <laughs> how that like, how does that help you? Cause you're further away, but he didn't. And cause I know last summer I went back and watched like Dirk's first playoff series where they basically said bye-bye to Carmelo and John Stockton. Oh man, that was like so fun. Cause like people always get, they have this opinion of Dirk. Like he was never athletic. Oh buddy. Oh buddy. You need to go back and watch some early Dirk because he could go to the basket in folks. Could they didn't know what to do with it, and that's why yeah. Dirk did really. He had a jump, but he wasn't as wet as he was. Like Clemens, essentially, and or it be beat. Yeah, no, I was I was a big fan of that team with him, and, and I can't remember every. I always think Ben Axel because Ben Axel used to come off the bench and just light it up, man. Yeah, but yeah, yeah that team with Nash and Dirk, they had a deep squad that year. Yep, it was one of my favorites. All right, Phil, let's get out of here and talk Showtime, man. I like, I feel like, I don't know if the last dance like inspired this. It sounded like they were filming this team. So I don't know if like, uh, the Chicago Bulls, like last dance documentary should get like credit, like for watching this, but like in my head canon, I think it, it should because it came out first. Uh, but like what an awesome like idea for one in series casting. I was a little John C. Riley as Jerry Bust. I was like, I don't know, man, but. I put Justin right this year. That's an 11 film. Like, absolutely great stuff. And uh, the guy who actually plays Kareem Jabbar, I don't know if you know this or not. This is actually his first acting gig, like, ever in life. Yeah. I think I knew that. Yeah. But no, I think that The Winning Times is based off of the the book, the Showtime book that came out. Uh, Jeff Perlman, I think that's who wrote it. But I think that's where the most of the idea and the concept behind the show came from. But yeah, I agree. The casting has been great. I think I think Riley has been fantastic. I really liked the last episode that focused he- heavily on Kareem. I thought that was one of the best episodes so far. Just blew uh, my mind so because I feel like I just was like dummy. Like you should be. I, I think it's been so long because you don't really take that history lesson. I don't think ever you don't really see a lot of like content nowadays about Kareem. Like I, I really yeah. don't. And it's a shame. And it's Holy crap, I could almost watch two hours on this because this is so just like so interesting, man. Interesting, educational, and it's just gee, like I I almost had to go back and like I knew this, but then it's I I guess a part of me just forgot about it. Jesus, like the stuff he went through and like overcame and the, the way he evaluated like life and basketball, just oh my god, just great stuff portraying from that actor. I think I forget his name, but it's funny because I'm not funny, but he's actually like a doctor in real life, believe it or not. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I I think the other good thing that they've done so far is they've taken each main character of the show and they've given them kind of their own episode. And so they had the episode that focused pretty heavily on Dr. Bush. You had the episode that focused heavily on magic. And so you can understand magic's point of view getting into this episode, but this was the first time that they've dug into Kareem. And I just think they did a, really good job i mean that that whole sequence where he's driving up the street and they're playing the gil scott record of pieces of a man just such a beautifully shot and just so well executed i think the way they dove into like his household and just his back and forth with his father and his 
his idea to convert to Islam, the nation of Islam. It's all of it is just handled really well. So when him and Magic get into the fight, it's, you can understand both of their point of view. It doesn't feel like they're like you're on Magic's side or you're on Kareem's side. It's easily it's easy to see both of their points of view. And I feel like even in the locker room now, because now you have some backstory on Norm, you got some a little bit with Coop. So, yeah, you kind of care about all of these characters. It's only been, what, like five episodes? Mm-hmm. And I'm and thinking, I, these are real people. And they just left, left us off with the biggest cliffhanger. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I completely forgot, like, that happened. And I'm just, I, I, yeah. I can't wait to, like, to see Pat Riley's, like, integration into the story and, and how they actually portray it. I was going to say, oh, dang, I lost my train of thought here. Like, got for Magic Johnson. I don't know if he's going to end up winning anything, but he is so good, Phil. So freaking good. He just has great energy. Every time he's on screen, it just, he, he embodies what we love about Magic. Um, and I was yes. never a big Lakers fan. My dad was a, my dad was a big Showtime Lakers fan. And that's before my era, but Same. just watching Magic and just seeing interviews of Magic and just seeing this guy just embody the energy that he brings and just having this smile that lights up the room when he comes in. It's really cool. And I, I just think that he's been perfect casting. The Magic in the show has been so fun. Just him being like this ladies man and being like this problematic figure in some ways and still being the Magic that we know and love. I think it would have been tough to show a different side of him without making him look like this incredibly like perverted guy or going into some murky water with his HIV um, diagnosis. But I think they've managed to show another side of him and still make him very likable. Yeah, I just can't say enough good things about this show, man. I think that was episode three where we get the Tark the Shark stuff and we get that cliffhanger. That cliffhanger is so good. Man, and the, the funniest bit, and I'm sure this has been clipped on Twitter a million times, but when Pat Riley was talking about going on for their first gig, and he forget the main announcer's name, but when he stopped Pat Riley, it's like, when I do this, then you don't talk. And it's like, how will you know? It's You'll know when I'm fisting you. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, man, as, it, it's just bad. And there's so many things as basketball fans that they have put so many Easter eggs in there. If like yeah, the certain things that they've put there, like that might not be stuff for Lakers fans, but the, um, the Kobe reference, last Kobe episode. reference this week. And then I think that was episode two where uh, Magic comes into that party and they introduce him to the guy. And he was like, oh, Donald Sterling. He's Donald Sterling. And it's, yeah. Or, or when they're in the car and they're like, oh, just be like OJ. He's a great, he's a great robot. There's <laughs> so many good Easter eggs that they've done throughout the show. It's so good. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just a sucker for just like the 80s basketball or just like the way it's like Phil. Like I just eat this shit up, Phil. I just, I love yeah. it. I think, I don't know, just because this is really good. It's this is something of our youth. I just, I think it's a little bit of everything for me. So I don't know if you could probably do stuff like this all the time, but if they wanted to try to develop some really like earnest stories, all and stuff, it's like, I'm completely for it. Because apparently there's a really good Warriors book out there. I think that's more just like analytics, stuff like that. But I don't know if you could really, I think everybody would still watch like a, a Steph Curry like based kind of, series but i don't know if that's as interesting as this or 
we just did the uh, Bulls. Maybe we could do something about the Pistons and Dennis Rodman. That that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm and I, I'm a big fan of Thirty for Thirty. I, I if I don't have anything to watch, I'll binge watch Thirty for Thirty. I enjoy this kind of stuff, and I just think that this show was just so well made. Man, I can't say enough good things about it. Like I said, like re- really yes, well yes. directed, really well cast, a lot of really great acting. I love the theme song, by the way. By yes. The, I don't know if people realize this, but my man Boots that directed uh, the ah, why am I drawing a blank on the the movie with um the movie with Lakeith Washington and he has the oh sorry to bother you sorry to bother you he directed yeah. that and he his band did the theme song um for the show man that's that's awesome oh shit okay I swear to God Phil one last thing because I didn't even ask you this NBA Finals who's your pick we'll get out of here who is my pick. Right now, it's feeling like we might get a rematch. It's feeling like we might get Bucks Suns again. Yeah, that's what I'm leaning towards too. Like my dark horse, I think people need to start respecting some respect on the Memphis Grizzlies. Man, like they are, they are real because I obviously I've gotten to know a lot of folks that cover the Grizzlies, right? And they are just a fun team. And the thing that's scary is when you've got this talented young team and they don't know they don't know any better, and they're just like. We're going to just play. We're not scared. And the fact that they they can win games and run people off the court without three or four of their primary starters, I'm just like, okay, right. I see Desmond Bank, who should be a Dallas Maverick, but I'm not going to hold uh, the organization to that because they should have drafted Desmond Bay. But no, I think they're like my dark horse. Although I might have to like, throw some shade out well if the Mavericks and Nuggets end up meeting together in the first Yeah. But personally, I, I don't want that them smoke. Like, I don't. Just because the Mavericks don't have the size to bother him, and expect like I know the Nuggets last night, but it was like twelve or something. But like Joker's, he had forty points last night, so he's just playing nuts. So I don't, I jazz because they're in that awful tailspin. And Mavericks want a playoff series. I'm okay with that because they have not won a playoff series in over a decade. So I'm just very happy make the playoffs and let's actually win a series, and then we don't actually have to get dismissed by the claw. Although, Phil, did you see the claw? He's shooting. The claw shooting again. And I think he's going to come back for the playoffs, but that could be fun. The Clippers are a scary team. The Clippers are better than people give them credit for. I was saying that last year in the playoffs because people just acted like they were you just dismissing these guys. Like, they were a series away from going to the finals. They were right there. Without Kawhi. Kawhi. Like, yeah, so, yeah, crazy. Clippers... Clippers can create some matchup problems, man. Um, but yeah, right now, I don't know if anybody's beating the Suns. I think Mem- Memphis is good. Their defense is really good. Man, man, John Morant is having an uh, incredible season, but I just don't think they're ready. I, I just feel I, I feel like the playoffs is going to ex- expose their inexperience. And I could be wrong, but that's just what I'm guessing ahead of the playoffs. And I can't wait. We're less than two weeks away and they got the play-in tournament just around the corner. So much fun stuff, but I can't thank you for your time. It's been awesome. Please uh, plug anything that you want to plug uh, so folks can obviously follow you, podcast, all your writing. Uh, sure. You can follow me on Twitter at, you can follow the Grapsity Podcast at Grapsity Pod on Twitter. And of course, you can watch our podcast every Saturday at noon Eastern. And that is with Righteous Reg and Will Washington. You can follow my writing at Bleach Report and Daily DDC. <laughs> Thanks for hanging around for another episode of Money in the Bank Shot. 
Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Brian, check us out on Twitter at MITBSPod. We'll see you next time.